There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. You're listening to Text Message, the UK-focused technology podcast with me, a hot Nate Langson. And me, Ian Morris. Did I hit the beat there? Uh, I don't know. I was just thinking I needed to point out that by hot, I don't. I'm not alluding to my own state of physical attraction. Uh, attractiveness. No. I do. I physically mean uh, boiling hot because it is uh, something of a heat wave right now. And, and, we're, and we're recording this early as well, and it's still unbearably hot. It is very, very, very hot. Um, a few things came up in our pre-show. One of which is the presence of a rather pretty little brown spider on my desk. Now, the last Rose. that I saw of this spider. Um, was when he was making his way betwixt a shadow from my iPad and a glasses cloth. I haven't seen him since. I'm hoping he makes a return visit um, to the forefront of my desk. He may have gone in search of um, of, of some somewhere cooler. But uh, we can't all... Um... The spiders feel the heat because some of the hottest places in the world have really quite big spiders. So presumably that's just all win for them. I assume spiders born in the <coughs> tropical climes of Broxbourne are not going to be super thrilled about being particularly hot compared to their Australian brethren. But I don't know how spiders operate, to be honest. No. Well, we had an interesting tweet come in from last week's uh, show about when we were talking about um, digital photo frames. Sean uh, was, I assume, walking past the Jessops after what, listening to the show <laughs> and had spotted... Not just that Jessops was selling its own digital photo frame in this, uh, the year of our Lord 2022, but it had a promotion on for them, and there were two in the window. They are £60, Ian. Wow. For, for a Jessops photo frame. And if I you just. You could probably look buy a TV for that, couldn't you? At the picture, uh, it looks like it's a 10 inch digital photo frame. Yeah, Not bad. I, so. Definitely reckon you could get yourself on on the internet, on the electronic bay, and uh, purchase yourself um, a TV for around that kind of money. You could. So not only are digital photo frames still a thing, but they are a thing enough that it is worth promoting them in the window of a high street retail outlet. Very good tweet that, Sean. I like it when people send us related tweets. I do. I do. And, um, And yes... Thank you. Well, a uh, little later on, we're going to be talking about Laserdisc. You may uh, wonder why are we talking about something that was invented in the 70s and nobody buys anymore? Uh, the answer is because we want to. Because we want to. Uh, but we'll ruin it if we want to. We'll talk about whatever we like. And this is the first thing we like. I, I did notice that uh, ISP Review, one of my favourite websites, has <laughs> said that BT had announced... So it's coming via two places here. Uh, that its fixed line network had recently hit a new peak. Now, Ian, I don't know if you've read the script in advance of this no. se- segment. Do you know what the new peak of BT uh, was during its busiest hour on the fixed line network? So users of its. I don't. I mean, I don't even know how to how that would be quantified. Well, I'll tell you. It's twenty eight okay, twenty eight terabits per second. That's incredible. Yeah. 
that's um, that is an, an, an enormous amount. I mean, that, as a figure, that doesn't mean a great deal to anyone. But I'll, I'll contextualise that in 2012, so 10 years ago, BT reported hitting 622 gigabits per second. Now, bearing in mind that there are about a thousand ish gigabits um, within a terabit. We've gone from 622 gigabits in 2012 to 28... Well, let's put it... You could say 28,000 gigabits per second. It's not strictly accurate, but it's an easier point of comparison. That's a lot. So it's increased a hell of a lot over the last 10 years. Might not be that surprising, but just sometimes seeing it written down in figures, it's like, huh, that's um, quite significant. Yeah, I mean, was there a reason for this massive peak? The only reason given is that people are using more data. Which I mean, is, that's a really useless piece of information. It is. I mean, if you want to look at that in numbers, I did actually look those up. Ofcom uh, said that the average data volume per month for a house in Britain right now is just a hair under half a terabyte um, uh, per month, which is about 450, 450, 453 gigabytes uh, that's per a, house That's per interesting. That's, that's, I mean, that alone is a staggering amount of data. I mean, obviously... 99% of that is streaming video, I'm assuming. Yes. Because they didn't, I can't they didn't, think of anything else that would occupy so much broadband. Yeah, exactly. It's it, it's almost certainly going to be all that. But you also have to look at things like the size of video games to download. Um, mm. You take a game like... I mean, you know, a few weeks ago, we installed The Elder Scrolls Online on Kate's, uh, on Kate's laptop. She's been playing that uh, religiously, I'm pleased to say, over the last six weeks or so. And that's a 100 gigabyte download. And we downloaded it on one machine and then decided to use it on a different machine. So that's another 100 gigabyte download. So just setting Kate up to play that is 200 gig in one go. Yeah, I mean, I I noticed from my network usage stats that, and this won't be particularly reliable because um, I've also had to use Wi-Fi for various reasons. I can't get into it. It's too complicated. Um, This says in the last 30 days, I've done 132 gigabytes on my PC. So that's not streaming video, which I imagine because I'm using Sky Glass still, probably my monthly usage is insane. In fact, I think Virgin sends you an email about it. I should look that up and see. Virgin used to send me emails. I mean, obviously, I'm not with Virgin anymore. But when they did send me emails, whenever I clicked on the link to view that data, it said it was never available. So I never actually got to benefit from that (laughs) superbly useful bit of information. Uh, It's classic Virgin, isn't it? Yeah, it didn't work. I do do know that I use several terabytes um, a month on our on our home fiber we're we're definitely an edge case just because of the amount of media um that gets consumed plus cloud backups we have a lot of family members who use a shared server that's here in this office with me so it's it's constantly in use but for the average household it's it seems pretty pretty interesting that we're up to half a terabyte um if you're interested i did pull up the figures for mobile usage and i know you're interested in so i'm going to wait for a yes. response uh, the average usage per mobile data user right now is 4.5 gigabytes a month so a, 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 an exact tenth of what's being used in the home but that is surprising to me that it's not higher because when you think about the amount of data that people use just taking photos and syncing them to the cloud, that's, I mean, I would have thought that'd be far, far higher. Yeah. You know, yeah, one, one mean, minute it, of, 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 of 60 FPS video 
on an iPhone is several hundred meg alone. So, yeah, and I mean, because I obviously had to make the decision recently, didn't I, to go for a fixed amount of data on my mobile. So I now only have 100 gigabytes. Uh, um, Mike points out in the live chat that he only syncs over Wi-Fi. And that's true. I suppose that is uh, something a lot of people a lot of people do. But Yeah, I just checked that link. It doesn't work. <laughs> your, your, the Virgin email. No, they yeah. never do. They never do. It doesn't do. say anything. What's, no. what's the point? God, it, they're awful. I, I Honestly, it's been like that for at least two years because I haven't been with Virgin for over a year. And those emails started about a year before I left and they never worked then either. It's ridiculous. I'm, Ridonculous. I'm, but, but absolutely ridiculous. Okay, fine. Let's move yeah. on. So how much data do you use a month? Uh, let us know. Hello at UKTechShow.com. I know that we have at least one listener who uses hundreds of gigabytes using a three 5G connection. I want to say it's John. Might be Richard. Might be both I think it is them. John. I think it's both. It? I think they both use that. Yeah. But, um, but yes. Uh, I wanted to point something else out that I saw this week that in- intrigued me. It's not strictly tech, but is this podcast strictly a tech show anymore? Who knows? The name uh, suggests so, but the content suggests otherwise. Um, <laughs> cargo bikes. Do you know what these are? No. These are bicycles that have... Uh, imagine basically imagine a, fr- a handlebar mounted basket that just got out of hand you know basically you can right, fit a okay. child or two in the front of instead oh, nice. of uh, instead of them you see them in the city a lot dr- delivering you know oh, yes, fruit around to yeah. corporate boardrooms um well i did notice a story on the guardian that people are buying a ton more of these things um and they are if they did well the description the guardian had was cargo bikes usually feature a tub or platform that can be used to carry goods or people balanced on two or more heavy duty wheels um the guardian story pictured a chap who actually sells these and in the photo he was pushing his daughter and a dog somewhere uh, presumably a school for the daughter uh, i think the dog had already well, probably passed his dog, exams well you never know there are dog schools. Well, they schools. do have dog schools, yeah. They do, but dogs tend not to do GCSEs. Although, that said, I don't remember doing many of mine. Um, these are interesting little things, uh, and they are rising, but I think they're rising largely in cities because they're probably cheaper to run than a car right now. Um, but I did yeah. I did wonder, as a, as, as a person who I know, Ian, has not one but two children and has also put at least one of them in a ridiculous form of personal transportation over the years. Yeah. That little, what is it, electric Mercedes. Electric Tesla. Electric yeah, Tesla that was great, that thing. Thing. Uh, I did wonder whether you would consider getting one of these to take your wee nippers to the old exam centre. It's a, uh, well, I mean, <clears throat> bearing in mind I live 10 miles away from where they go to school, it's probably not a practical solution for me. Um but I like the idea of it. I mean, having kids on bikes is one of the most adorable things you can ever do. I mean, Izzy and Bob both loved being on the back of the bike with me. They had one of those little chairs um, and they sort of bounce around in them because they're only they're sort of attached by a quite a, a strong but a bouncy arm. Uh, and it was always adorable having them on. They used to have the, the wildest time. It was great. Ah, you mean the little sidecars? Not, what, not that the, I not, had? Yeah. No, no, no. It was a, it's a seat. In fact, someone's posted in the chat a picture of a woman with a, a, a child seat on the back of her bike. Um, and that's exactly what I had, that kind of thing. Oh, so, I see. I mean, I love the idea of having them up front. That's really nice. And it's probably a bit safer. Well, I've I always been terrified when I see people with a child yeah. on the back of a seat. Because I think if you fall off, 
Like yeah. that child's head is going to have a very serious and not so casual relationship well, they, with the pavement. You put a helmet on them. Does that I mean, you save wouldn't do it, you wouldn't do it a baby? Helmet. Well, yes. I mean, it, it, the point is, if you, if you, I mean, you wouldn't. You, you could, I suppose, theoretically fall off. The point is that you're always super careful when they're on. And um, I didn't used to do it on particularly busy roads. Um, oh. And and yeah, they'd have a little helmet on, so to protect them. Um, I'm sure I've got a picture of um, some, one of them on, uh, somewhere. Um, oh. I, I'll just see if I can find it. Oh. Nick in our live chat posted an interesting link to a BBC story that says um, uh, Germany has um, has a lot of these as, as as well, and that sales are growing there too. It's quite quite interesting. There's, a lot of these tend to be you know delivery things, and I think that, that a large part of the reason why people buy more of these is because they are cheaper to run in cities and easier to get around but i do think that a lot of journeys done by cars can be replaced by by bikes and so why shouldn't these things be be doing better they're not particularly techy i'd love them to be even more techy because then we'd actually have a reason to talk about them not because it was a week full of news that i really just don't think we care enough about to talk about <laughs> fun stuff you mean. there's it's some really a- important boring stuff going on but um we don't like talking about boring important stuff we like talking about inconsequential fun things on this program such as this the bicycle news bicycle okay. news yeah well the third thing that stuck out to me this week other than the little spider on my desk which i'm increasingly concerned uh as to the whereabouts of i, I just I hate the idea of accidentally killing something, and I don't know where where he's gone. I really hope he makes a return a return visit. Oh, they're um, pretty resilient. Yeah, um, <clears throat> it is Pocketlint. This is the story. Pocketlint wrote that mobile coverage on the Tube network in London here is expanding. Five additional stations are going to get su- uh, are going to get access soon. However, the more important thing I think is that TfL. Uh, Transport for London, that is, also announced that Virgin Media and Vodafone, so that's Virgin Media 02 now, isn't it? Uh, And Vodafone have joined the rollout, which means that uh, when the 4G, 5G rollout across the tube line uh, expands much more uh, in earnest, uh, people on 3EE, Vodafone and Virgin Media 02 are going to get 4G data. And to differentiate that from what people may have experienced already, this is not Wi-Fi on the platform this is 4G and 5G in the tunnels while you're traveling on a train, which Ian and I are not in favor of at all because we're grumpy and we routinely send each other angry tweets and not tweets, messages about people having conversations about really quite mm. personal things on trains. Um, and the general rule applies. If I can hear you through my headphones that are noise canceling and play me Metallica, then you are speaking too loud. Simple Do you remember when we were at CNET and I yelled at that man on the tube? I mean, you weren't there. It was on my way in. It's when I no. lived in Watford and um, this guy was talking about getting a new front door or something. And he was talking about it very loudly for a really long time on the train. And um, I lost my rag. I completely lost my rag and just yelled, will you please shut up? Um, <laughs> I can imagine that. To, to For sort of a, lo- a lot of shocked looks. Um I can't remember if he did stop it or not, but uh, it didn't matter. I'd said my piece by then and I was happy with that. Did you sit it down really looking so quite... inconsiderate. It is. I know. I'm not in favour of, of, of this at all. Um, Nick in the in the chat says if he was there, he would have been applauded. And I do know <laughs> that my mum was once on a train, I think coming down to see me, 
and she always takes the quiet carriage and there were there were people oh. in there nattering insanely loudly i mean loudly enough that she'd asked them to maybe consider moving the carriage and she did get a round of applause from other people in the carriage. oh nice yeah yeah i mean really if there's a quiet carriage on a train please just be quiet the clue's in the name i carriage. mean i think the thing is there's nothing there's nothing backing this up like the the guard won't tell people to stop talking um i mean and i'll be honest with you i have been someone who has been drinking on a train going to edinburgh um in what was notionally called the quiet carriage so i might be as bad at this as everyone else but um that was many years ago there really Um, should be a a, a rule shouldn't there that if somebody is talking quietly and refuses to to shut up yeah uh, it should be permissible for two fellow passengers as long as they hold a ticket for the same class of carriage to lift the offending people up out of the seat against their will and throw them into another carriage or out of the window as long as there is a soft landing area for them you know what i i'm i'm gonna i'm gonna agree with that i think i I feel at, at the very least we should allow the you know we should encourage them to be asked to move like the guard should come along and go oh let's quiet carriage can you just go what somewhere guard? Else? i've never seen a guard on a station i took a video well, of somebody on a train the other day two people vaping quite blatantly that- and knowing that they were being watched um brilliant and i took a video of them and i was going to report it and then i didn't because i was like oh what's the point there's enough enough evil in the world but when i was walking home and deleted the deleted the video i did think there are a lot of people who talk about the point of 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 guards on trains and the importance of guards and conductors on trains and i thought where was the conductor why can i have pointed a to a conductor excuse me you see those two people who are vaping with obnoxious clouds of smoke which i find obnoxious even at the best of times out in a street and i'm walking behind somebody um but on a train deliberately I think there is a special place in hell for people like you. Yes, I mean, that's quite inconsiderate, really, isn't it? You're listening to Nate Langston's Soapbox, sponsored by Ian Morris. (laughs) Remember when this was a tech show? No, not really. It's always been a bit of a disaster, to be honest. I don't mean that in a bad way. I mean, you know... We're both unhinged in our own separate ways. It's, Um, It's true. Like many of the doors when we bought this house. (laughs) <laughs> because the chap who put them up couldn't do a good enough job. In fact, one of the hinges only had one screw in it, supported four. Obviously saved saved a bit of money by using three fewer than he needed to. But uh, uh, I, As someone who recently... Well, uh, when I bought my Samsung TV, it came with only two screws of the required four to mount uh, it to its stand. Um, broken Britain, And so I just, I, just went, I just went ahead and did it with two screws because, you know, what's the problem? I That's mean, how you got your nickname, isn't it? Two Screws Morris. That'd be your prison name. (laughs) Uh, But then I've mounted it on a very nice floor standing stand now, um, which is really nice. And it's um, I I use it for driving simulators. Um, It sits in front of my wheel and chair. It's pretty nice. It's been a long time since I've watched anything on TV because um, all Kate and I do, instead of watching TV or films, is play The Elder Scrolls. Or I'm listening to audiobooks. I'm actually working my way through a 50-hour um biography of of hitler and the rise and fall of the third reich which is um testing it's very very interesting but it's yeah. it's, it's difficult I, i'm I interested in i'm interested in 
in in people like that not just hitler I, i'm interested in all of uh history's many bastards um anyway here comes some music and after which speaking of we're gonna get to ian's story Ian, I sent you a script this week for something I'm working on. Yes, at Bloomberg, which I'm not going to talk about. Yes, but but I will I will point out that I filmed it on Thursday, and I cannot oh, wait for it to come out. It's going to be amazing. Um, but I was talking to Ian about this, and it rate and the topic of that episode made Ian and I talk about Laserdisc, and I pondered what would it have been like if Laserdisc had have really taken off? Like, would the state of the earth today, at least as far as video formats are concerned, would it be radically different um, to what came before it? Because VHS was the thing that Laserdisc competed with, right? Mm -hmm. So I posed this question to Ian. I said, Ian, and he said, yes, Nate. And I I said, "Um, are you cool for podcasting on Sunday? And he said, yes. And then I texted him again a little later and said, Ian, and he said, yes, mate. I said... (laughs) Um, what would have happened if Laserdisc could have won the format wars? And he said, good question. And I now present to you, ladies and gentlemen, Ian's funny answer. Well, I mean, it's not funny, really. Uh, But but then I would say that, you know, the world might be very different. I mean, a lot of our listeners probably might not be that into Laserdisc um, or might not even really have that much awareness of it. I mean, people are young these days. They probably, a lot of them probably haven't even heard of Laserdisc. Um, So I'll give you some context. In the 80s and 90s, VHS was a you know pretty popular home format. You could record on it, which was convenient. People had them uh, and Betamax decks sometimes in their own homes to to capture things off the TV. But there was no DVD. Obviously, that didn't come around till what 1998, 1999, and didn't become popular until into the 2000s. Previously, there was a, a much larger size disc, a 12 centimeter disc, if the sort of size of a vinyl, um, and on it they put analog video and it was called a laser disc um, and it was a f- really fantastic format um, and I suppose if it had been more popular it might have changed the landscape a bit if, if people had had routinely had lots of laser discs there's a possibility that they would have just made laser discs digital um, and they would have been maybe back compatible you know you bought a new digital laser player maybe and it would have played all your old analog laser discs who knows it could have been a completely different world and we would still be using massive discs instead of sort of cd size things that said of course the cd was already a thing by the time laser disc was a thing so your music would have already been on a small disc so it sort of kind of makes sense that it would have gone the cd route rather than the laser route but for those people who were very into owning movies in the sort of 80s and 90s laserdisc was the format um it was uh it, it could hold a full quality pal image uh or ntsc so instead of vhs which had around half the amount of information as of a broadcast tv signal um, a laser disc had the full signal, so they looked a lot better. They were sharper. They had, you know, better color reproduction, all that kind of stuff. It, you know, a genuinely very nice format. There were sort of 
three different, well, two main competing formats. One of them uh, could store about 30 minutes per side of video, which is not a lot, uh, which meant if you were watching a sort of two-hour film, you would have to, not only would you have to switch the side that you were watching, you'd also have to switch discs. So you would go through probably four discs for a two-hour film um, and then maybe another disc for any special features that you might have included so but there were two sort of different formats one of them uh, was called constant angular velocity or CAV um, and you could store around 30 minutes of video per side Uh, that constant angular velocity means that the, 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 the disc would spin at the same speed no matter where the laser was there was a second format which allowed you to fit more video on and it made use of the fact that the obviously the tracks on the outer edge of the disc were longer so you could have more information on them so that as the laser moved out reading the disc it would uh, it would the disc would slow as you got further out so you could store more on it so the first format 30 minutes per side the second 60 minutes per side and then later on there was a special pioneer thing and and you've got to remember pioneer were the laser disc people you might um, say they were the pioneers you might indeed say that um it was there were other companies involved in laser disc but pioneer were the if you want if you like laser disc you probably have a pioneer player because they were great uh, and they had a thing later on that was called caa and it it was a, a sort of a, a better it provided better picture quality um and it was you know sort of a kind of a merging of the two standards um you could have cd quality sound on a laser disc which was something that was i mean arguably a bit better than vhs vhs sound is actually quite good um it's hi-fi quality is what they used to say we used to record overnight radio um on vhs tapes it was quite common uh because they would run for a very long time and the quality was very high a little bit of trivia for you there but also you could have digital audio on a laser disc so dolby digital first became a thing on laser disc um, and you could have like surround sound and it was very impressive and that was a real thing unfortunately this is towards the end of the life of laser disc um, so you would you people were already getting DVDs by this point, but the sound quality on laser discs could be phenomenal. It was a really nice way to get into proper surround sound that wasn't ProLogic, which is kind of a cludge and worked, but not didn't sound brilliant for surround sound. So, um, is, it, is, so it essential, is it essentially then that laser disc was superseded by DVD? Yes, not really that it was that it was beaten out by VHS. Because VHS exactly. was not the spiritual successor to Laserdisc, they were they they coexisted. They, yeah, they coexisted. They they evolved at the same time, you know. So Laserdisc was sort of starting in the early eighties, and VHS was already sort of a thing by then. Um, so it was it was a good way for people who really love movies to get a, a better quality. If you had a projector in the early days, you know, one of those old CRT things with the you know, three big lamps on the front you know a a red green and a blue um that would have cost tens of thousands of pounds so if you were super rich you would not have considered using vhs for that it would have had to have been laserdisc and even then the quality wouldn't have been brilliant 
but yeah, it was it was it sort of evolved at the same time. It was very much a niche format because of that for that very reason. People had VHS decks, so it, it there wasn't really a lot of reason for them to move to Laserdisc apart from the sort of jumping quality um, and the fact that they they have the same appeal as a vinyl. You know, you get these beautifully prepared packages. The discs are inside. They have you know lovely cover art and it's big, so you can see it. It's really nice. You'd have maybe a, a booklet inside and some of those discs these days think a bit thinking back about uh you know jurassic park was released on laserdisc it would you'd probably spend quite a lot of money getting one of those discs now uh the original star wars before george lucas came along and redid all the special effects and annoyed everyone by what's his face shooting first um and so you like. could <laughs> yeah um you uh you you that was a really nice way to see star wars in quite high quality uh, whereas previously it was sort of on vhs so people uh would i think anyone who'd ever seen a laser disc or used one or held one would be quite fond of it they were it was a really lovely format uh, unfortunately it was big it was kind of clunky it was never particularly affordable uh and then dvd came along and just completely ate its lunch because it offered digital uh video at uh, the same sort of quality maybe possibly slightly better um and generally it was just a million times more convenient and of course we had games consoles appearing so they were all you know moving towards using cds and dvds for data storage so it that completely sort of tips the scales really but so really um, to answer the opening question what would have happened if laserdisc won i suppose in many ways the answer is exactly what did happen because they would inevitably have gone digital and gone smaller and that's basically what a dvd was with the bonus being that you don't have to flip a dvd over um to watch um yeah. second half of the mo- of a movie although that did happen a lot you did get dual-sided discs you you did in fact um a lot of uh, the early discs were flippers, as they were called. Mm. Um, they um, were, I remember having Armageddon, the movie, as a flipper DVD. And then Warner Brothers got so much hassle for it that they reissued it as a dual-layer disc. And then you could send back your flipper and get a dual-layer, which I did, uh, which is quite good, really. It's did quite they ever nice release, to do that. Did they ever release flipper on a flipper? No, I don't believe they did. Did they ever release flubber? on a flipper mm, good question would have been about the right time mm, it would I have been i don't remember you've got to remember i think is flubber a disney film i have no idea mate flubber i mean it was a fine film but it's no casper the friendly bloody ghost <laughs> disney were um notoriously troublesome when it came to dvds and things like that they didn't really like releasing things on the format uh, they you know they they've always been a bit of a holdout to physical media partly because they like to control things there was i mean you may remember that there was the thing called the, like the disney vault so you could buy a movie for a very limited amount of time and then it would just be deleted and you wouldn't be able to buy it anymore and so you'd either have to have it or you uh wouldn't ever own it it was yeah. remarkable and the other two other things i thought i would mention vhs obviously you could record to at home which uh, was yes. not possible on, uh, on laserdisc as home. far as i know no one ever did a recordable laserdisc i just no. don't think that was possible however nick points out in our chat room something i completely forgotten about which is the bbc did in the 1980s um release 
the Doomsday Project, which was a, a sort of a, a digitized version of the Doomsday Book, as of um, William the William the Conqueror, um, released it on Laserdisc. Pioneering it was at the at the time, and I went to see one of these because they did a. Um, an event. I think I was at Wired at the time. Oh, really? They did an event where um, they'd brought together some of the original Doomsday um, systems, uh, and there was only about a thousand of them made, um, according to this BBC story we're, we're looking for. And I got to use one. Um, I, yeah, and I've got, I'll try and find my my Wired story at, at the time. But I, I went and, and talked to the people who who who'd worked on it and um, and got to see one in in use. And it was honestly the only time, first and last time, I've ever seen a laserdisc in person. And it was for this doomsday doomsday thing. So I'll put a link to that along with uh, all the things we talked about, as always, in the show notes at UK Tech Show slash episodes. This is episode two eight one. For those of you who wish to find those links and if you have any thoughts memories hopes dreams wishes requests whatever uh, about the wonderful world of laserdisc or anything else we talk about you know what to do we uh we didn't even get to high definition video on vhs in that segment that's a, another one we didn't and thanks to nick who just pointed out that uh the wired podcast episode 24 uh we <laughs> talked all about the um uh, my visit to see the the laser disc, which I'd forgotten I'd recorded, so we'll include a link to that if you want to go and listen to me, like ten years ago or something, talking about laser disc uh, laser disc on another podcast. In fact, I might listen to that later because it's probably quite interesting. <laughs> I'll include a link to that as well in the show notes. Um, and um, uh, and thank you if you're one of our patrons. Of course, you're about to hear our next story. And I'm not going to spoil the surprise. I'm just going to play some music before we get into it. Charlotte gave us a bit of feedback this week after last week's discussion about email signatures. Uh, in fact, she posted this in our Discord along with a picture of her walking her cat through a forest, which I have to say is one of the best things I've ever seen. I don't think it's going overboard to say that walking a cat through the trees. I mean, how how could you beat that other than two cats? Or, I don't know. Yeah, I mean... The cat can speak. Uh, it's, it, it, it's, it's just amazing. But It's I, I, delightful. I, I mean, I, I can't... Uh, there's it's very difficult to have too much cat in your life certainly is uh charlotte goes on to the body of her uh her message which is, is in response to our question about how much data is too much data in an email signature what i would call a prototypical text message question to the audience uh she says sorry nate i have a long signature my name then my pronouns linked to an article explaining why that's helpful to those in the trans and non-binary communities then if it's internal a call out to colleagues to sign up to be a careers champion and get involved in school activities in their community then lastly an image explaining that we have won an award for diversity this year which is incredible considered uh, considering the amount of of nepotism that goes on but there are a few of us who care about equality and inclusion show i share it anyway they all seem perfectly reasonable and i would say very standard in uh, the world of corporate e-signatures um i don't have uh i say an objection it's not my 
I have no right to have an objection to any of those, but they don't sound obnoxious, <laughs> which is which is what I really object to. No, and I mean, I think the the big problems that we have are are things that are designed to tell us how to live our lives. Don't print this email. Uh, don't lick a hub cap on a car. That kind of thing. I mean, obviously, that doesn't happen very often. I tell you, know you I, mean. so, I, I tell you something, mate. I'm going to add that to my email signature. <laughs> Nate Langson, don't. editor, Bloomberg Technology, phone number, don't lick the hubcap of a car. Yeah. That's well, good advice. People might think that's helpful to them. Yeah. Well, if that is helpful to you listening, I sincerely hope you seek medical advice both before and after considering licking the hubcap of a car. Nick asks, and what if I don't want to mind the gap? <laughs> and anyone who is disembarked at Bank Station in London uh, noticed that the severe curvature of that platform uh, makes those gaps particularly problematic um, will know that that is a, a, a particularly facetious comment of Nick's and he was right to make it. Um, thank you, Charlotte. Thank you, Nick. Thank you, everyone who's listening. Thank you, patrons. I'd like to welcome Ed McCloskey, who has joined us this uh, this past week. Thank you, Nick. Um, Ed, rather. I mean, thank you, Nick. He's a patron as well. But also thank you, Ed. Um, It's lovely to have you. And um, I don't have anything else really to point out other than I hope everybody has a marvellous week. It's been a great pleasure. I did want to point out that actually Ian did an extra message for patrons this week. Would you like to remind people what that was about? It was me getting very angry about uh, how I can't watch 4K streaming services on my computer, my lovely expensive computer. Yeah. Kate and I uh, listened to that when I was proofing the edit and uh, we both agreed it was absolutely very adequate. <laughs> That's what I strive for, total it, adequacy. No, it was it was it was great. It was absolutely great. Um as a slight side note, it's got nothing to do with technology. I came up with something really fun while I was in the bathroom yesterday. Um I was doing a crossword and I realized that huge amounts of a crossword if you take any two not any two but many uh two or three interlocking words you get some terrific potential names for experimental indie bands and i wondered if just before i play the outro uh, to this if you'd like to hear of some of the genuine indie band names um that i came up with as a result of looking at interlocking words on the crossword yesterday and i'm going to yeah i'm going to play i'm going to say these um while we fade out the music um here they come barbaric shoe shingles vulgar excuse terrapin chair treason shoe shrap <laughs> shoe shrapnel oval cornea full-time titanium seatbelt jack russell faction sardine dentist shanty forceps landing gear eyesore Excess Ian Cinema. (laughs) Excess Ian Cinema. (laughs) Standard Pomegranate Exam. Trout Pea Shooter. Burden Grotto. Toddler (laughs) Acne. Toddler Acne. Kneecap Hypermarket. Kitchen Bayonet. Cautionary Kitchen Attack. Limb Critic. Cautionary kitchen attack is the one. Air raid pundit. Extreme broccoli <laughs> upset. 
finally bankrupt Martin. Massage Marathon. Almond Titan. Bicycle Lipstick. <laughs> Caledonian... <laughs> I have to stop this. Caledonian Nasal Dilemma. You've been listening to Text Message. See you next week, everybody. Bye. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.